I mean, how many companies say, you know, our, our product uses artificial intelligence? And like, when you really dig down into it, it's like math that my 13-year-old could do, right? It's kind <laughs> of, um, you know, it, and all kinds of stuff, which is pretty unsophisticated, gets labeled as artificial intelligence. I, you know, I'm pretty sure that we are going to see a massive backlog backlash against, well, we've bought all this artificial intelligence stuff, but it's not very intelligent, is it? Today's guest is Jim Anning, the VP of Data at GoCardless. This episode focuses on why having a data project isn't enough. You really need a culture that loves data. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Joining me on today's show, we uh, take a short trip down the road to Surrey to say hello to Hayley Welsh. Hello. Welch, Welsh. I'm always kind of unsure on that because it's Raquel Welsh, right? It's Welch, like W-E-L-C-H. Welch. There Welch. we go. Not Welsh. Given that you've been on the show for quite a long time, shouldn't really be asking this now, should I? <laughs> there we go. Random start to today's podcast. How are you? You thought it was snowing. It can't be snowing. It's nine degrees. No, it just looks like really thick bits of rain outside. And I was like, oh. It's a bit wintry. What I think it is. Mm, no, it's not. Mm. It's safe to say it's not snow yet. No, no, Thank it goodness. rarely snows down here. To be honest, I think oh, we're where I am. I think we're on quite high ground. So uh, like you're in the, are you it. in the Surrey Hills? Well, my parents are. I'm not where I am right the second, but yeah, no. To be fair, yeah, the Surrey Hills, South Downs, Kent, North Kent Downs, all that kind of stuff. They do get snow, don't they? Well, you never know. You might be able to enjoy it uh, because it would appear that if we're going to have Christmas with family, we've got to endure another month of lockdown, doesn't it? Looking at the news, so we're what? all going to be stuck at home. And uh, well, we've got to do another month. No, well, it's not being confirmed, but in the in the press, they're suggesting that for five days of Christmas, we might get told that we have to have another month of lockdown. Oh, please. Trade-off. How much do you want to see your family at Christmas versus continuing being not able to go anywhere or do anything? I am not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Very small sample size, but uh, the thing is, like, I can't go. Re- I can't realistically go see my mum and dad. They're up in Northumberland. Haley's mum and dad were supposed to be coming to us, but their flight keeps getting cancelled. They live in Spain because it's non-essential travel, so it might just be me and Haley. Oh well, that'll be nice. Romantic. It'll be sweet. Yeah, but different. We're not going to do a whole turkey because that might be a bit overkill. Just get a crown of turkey. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Have it for a whole week. <laughs> Lots of turkey sandwiches. Yeah, turkey and cranberry sandwiches. They are lovely. Have you listened to any Christmas songs yet? Or I haven't actually, no, but I've been watching all mm. the cookery, Christmas cookery programs. I love that. I feel like so soothing. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a very dangerous lockdown if it's in the run up to Christmas. There's going to be a lot of eating and drinking. Ooh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. We should dive into today's interview. Jim Anning is our guest. He's the VP data for Go Cardless. If you're wondering who Go Cardless are, Jim describes the business as one that takes the pain out of getting paid. So we'll find how data has helped them do that. Then we'll be back with some commentary and a quick bit of technology news. So today we are talking to Jim Anning from Go Cardless. Thanks for joining us today, Jim. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. So look, you've, you've been out of the office for a little while. Before we uh, talk a little bit about maybe about some of the dynamics that have happened over the last six months, the office that you have been kept out of and the business that you've been distanced from is Go Cardless. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Go Cardless before we jump into anything? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, the sim- simplest way of putting it is, is we take the pain out of getting paid um, and let focus it, businesses focus on, on what they do best. So, um, you know, our, cu- our customers or our, our merchants are businesses that have recurring payment models, um, and we provide a payment service 
for recurring payments, uh, which takes care of uh, all the details for them and lets them focus on uh, what they do best. So we've um, we've built out a business with something like 55,000 active merchants, um, started uh, as a very much a UK-based company, but over the last three years has spread out into, uh, into Europe, um, into Australia, uh, and New Zealand, uh, and into the States as well. So, you know, we're a growing international business. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we're on a, on a mission to build a, a global network for recurring payments um, and to service customers in those areas. And I would imagine that during the last six to nine months, a lot of businesses have had to take more payments online who maybe traditionally hadn't done it. And that obviously has presented opportunities and a headache, I, I, I guess, from your perspective. Because- I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess like a lot of businesses, you know, headaches and, and opportunities. I mean, clearly, you know, a, a lot of our merchants you know, were in in businesses that have been affected. So, you know, we've we've done our level best to add, you know, features into the product to make it easier for them to, to manage the payments of um, their customers. So, you know, pausing subscriptions, for example, if you're, if you're a gym that has to be closed for a while, uh, and, and making it easy for people to, um, be able to sort of change the way they, they charge or the amounts they charge their customers to, to cope with the, the situation. Um, but yes, you also see an effect that, you know, more payments are being taken online. Um, and so, you know, of course there's, there has, uh, there's been a dip. Um, but, you know, if you look at the, the, the growth and the, um, the, you know, the number of customers we ha- we have, um, you know, those are still growing. Now, what do you actually do for GoCardless? Because, I mean, I, I could read out LinkedIn. Sometimes LinkedIn is a little bit misleading. So what role yeah, do you do that? So, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm vice president of data. Um, I've been there for, for three years. So um, when I... When I joined, there were just a couple of people in GoCardless that, that were doing anything at all with data. Um, and over that three years, I've grown our capability to you know, there's nearer 20 people in the business with full-time data jobs. Um, and the role is to, to look after three things, really. So firstly, make you know making GoCardless a data-driven company. So... Um, I kind of think data drivenness is in the eye of the beholder. It's like beauty in that respect. So, you know, data driven, like, hey, how do you know if you're data driven? Well, you know, if your employees say that you're data driven and your customers say that you're data driven and your investors say that you're driven, and if industry in general says that, then that's, you know, that's, that's a good sign that you are data driven. So, um, you know, number one is make GoCardis data driven. Um, because you know, we we buy the principle that you know companies that are data driven, you know, grow faster. You know, they're more profitable um, and obviously more sexy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Out of interest, look, just VP of data, yeah, carries clout. But I have had conversations in the past with people where they talk about the fact that building a a data a data machine at any enterprise scale can take two to three years before you see real return on investment and actually sponsorship of that role is really important. Yeah. I would imagine right now getting buy-in when we are all working from home and uh, and obviously data is one of the, you know, when, when you don't physically have people in businesses in the same way and, and data is, is, is obviously even more uh, 
even more of a metric to be able to see how your business is doing than maybe it was before. And even then it was, you know, obviously high up the agenda of an organization. But I, I assume that political sponsorship is easier to keep that 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 light alive now, but you're in a business that 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 recognized that three years ago. Have you have yeah, you seen I mean, a change in your attitude? Has it been a, a, a deepening or, or actually is it is it that it was always there? I think it was always there. I mean I think that I mean that's that's definitely one of the reasons I joined the company in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I in 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 previous roles, you know, I'd felt that I did a reasonable amount of knocking on doors going, hey, like, you know, data, it's great, isn't it? Um, and having to kind of win those win those arguments. And I, th- I think your your kind of return on investment argument is like a really interesting one when it comes to data as well, because, you know, I've not seen um, a sort of data journey anywhere yet that didn't involve some kind of leap of faith. Like, it's very, it's, you know, you do not understand or know or can put a number on the value of your data until you have put the effort into creating it and collecting it and storing it for a while. Um, and you kind of really don't know. You might have some kind of intuition about the value of it, um, but you don't know how good a, you know, you, you don't know the impact that, a machi- that applying a machine learning algorithm to your data is going to have until you apply a machine learning algorithm to your data. So, you know, there's always a, a leap of faith required. Um, so, so I suppose a more interesting question then, right, is, is is the sponsorship of a CEO enough or do you need the whole board bought into it? You know, I, if marketing aren't bought in and they might tire uh, six months down the line, you know, you, they, they hire someone like an organ. Let's not talk specifically about Go Cardless, but yeah. data generally, they hire someone like you and then nine months later – Someone's going. Well, hang on a minute. Why are we spending all this money here? We 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 were we are getting less resources as a as a consequence. How do you keep that sponsorship there? And what does a business need in place to really make sure that they can drive through the changes to get to the point where you are now, where you've got twenty odd people working in data and it and it is cared about? Um, I mean, it's not it's not something I've had to really tackle at Go Cardless, to be fair, because that that mm. buy in from you know from Hiroki to CEO from from the board um, and from you know, everybody else was kind of always there, um, you know, not just in terms of being a data-driven company, but also the kind of the second part of my role, which is about building differentiation into our products. Um, mm. You know, it, I think in the business that we're in, it's clear that a major advantage is the, you know, the, the data assets that we have, having you know, operated a recurring payments business for some time, um, and that if you can build um, payment intelligence into your products as a result of you know a combination between the unique data assets that you have around you know in our case recurring payments, coupled with like the domain knowledge that you have, um, you know coupled with with some machine learning to put it all together, then then that actually in terms of product differentiation is very strong because it makes it incredibly hard for a competitor to play in the same space as you because they have to go they have to take their own leap of faith at that point to gather the data, et cetera. So is that leap of faith that you're talking about the difference between being an organization that cares about data or sees that there's value attached to being a data-driven organization where data is built into those products? Um, I, have I ever thought about it like that? I'm not sure. I mean, I think I mean caring about data is 
is a big part of it. And that's how, you know, I, I've described the first two parts of, of my role, like make go-kartness data-driven. Secondly, um, you know, build differentiation into the products. Um, but, you know, the third line of, of the, the brief I give everyone at GoCardless about my role um, is, that, you know, we care deeply about managing and nurturing our data assets. And I normally just paraphrase that by, you know, number three, give a shit about data. Um, but you're right. I mean, you do have to care about it. Um, and I think it's, you know, there are, there are cultural elements to this. Um, and you know you could you could put all the effort you like into building you know the 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 capabilities and the data flows and the and the and the products um but if at your heart you you kind of don't have a a culture that kind of actually cares about data and 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 believes that that data and and being good with data um is valuable, then you're on a bit of a non starter hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, machine learning. Uh, you've got a product called Success Plus, right? Yes. Do you want to just quickly describe? Yes. Yeah, so, so um, we launched Success Plus uh, a few months ago. It's the first product that um, GoCardless has launched that contains any element of machine learning. So, you know, it's been a it's a massive milestone for us as a company in terms of, of that. But basically, it, um, it reduces the chances of a pay, payment failure. So, you know, our merchants take payments from their customers um, you know, those customers may not have the funds in their bank account, so payments can, can fail. What Success Plus does is it um, it uses all the things that we know about payments, you know, from the, the, the data that we have, you know, and from our domain knowledge um, to reschedule the taking of payments at a point in time when it's more likely that customer will have money in their bank account. So it's it's an intelligent rescheduling, um, you know, of a, of a payment retry uh, with the aim of increasing the chances of that succeeding. Um, and, you know, the customers that are using it are seeing like a big return in terms of, um, you know, how many payments overall fail. Um, you know, so, you know, far more successful payments and, you know, for them, far less time chasing customers uh, for payment. Now, you, you started your role three years ago. Yeah. As one of the initial people into the, you know, the initial people into the organization to build data. To get to the point where you are now, with that product yeah. that uses machine learning. Did it take the best part of those three years to, to even be in a position to talk about machine learning and it and it working and delivering value? I mean, at what point in that journey did you go, we've got we've got ourselves in a position now where we've got the data and it's structured and we can make sense of it enough to really leverage it and, and create this product? I think we always knew, or I always knew, um, that you know there there was a, a machine learning application here, um, but you know you can't you know ma machine learning kind of is, uh, I guess it's like the you know the sec data science is the sexy end of data right, but you know it sits upon the shoulders of you know all of the other disciplines, um, and so you know it might it might seem uh, shiny, um, but actually you can only build a great. Uh, data science products if you have great data and if you have great you know a, a good supply chain if you like that takes the you know the raw data and converts that into the kind of the features etc that you need for the machine learning side of things so it, it for us it was always quite a parallel um thing so you know i had a um it was fairly early on when we when we started um you know hiring our first data scientists um and 
you know, it takes it takes a while for an organization to learn how to build data science products. Um, and it takes a special kind of product manager to be able to build a data science product. So, you know, in many other products, the product manager can kind of understand the, you know, what the problem space looks like. Um, safe in the knowledge that, you know, some software engineers can code pretty much anything that they specify. With a machine learning product, it's very different because you do not know how good it's going to be until you do it. Um, you know, and you can iterate and you can make it better and you can, you know, you can build, you can put better data in, you can build better features, you can kind of make some intelligent choices about hyperparameters, you can, you can use different models, etc. But fundamentally, you have to develop your idea of what the product is going to do at the same time as you are developing your capabilities to do the data science. Um, and so, so there are kind of three things that need to work. That, you know, if you think about the interfaces that need to work well together, in people terms, you need product managers who can not only work with software developers, but can work with these, you know, these data scientists who have a different way of working. And you need data scientists who can work with the product managers and you need data scientists who can work with the software engineers who are actually going to, you know, build the mechanics of the product. And you need to do, you need to evolve all three of those things in parallel. And I think, you know, where I've seen mistakes made before, it's when maybe the, the product and software engineering thing works well. And it's just like, you know, okay, data scientists, we just now need you to, to make an algorithm, which is, you know, right 99.9% of the time. Um, you know, and this, you know, this much wailing and gnashing of teeth lies down that route. Um, so I think it's, you know, like trying to, it's much better to find a, a data science problem where actually you win by being right more than half the time. And then work your way towards being right 80% of the time, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, then starting out from, you know, it needs to be, um, you know, right all the time. In my, in my previous business, uh, which was um, Hive, which is an Internet of Things business, um, you know, one of the difficulties there was like, you know, a lot of product managers, you know, they, they, they'd be used to making fun of physical products like a light switch. You know, a light switch which gets on or off. Um, and now you're presented with a bunch of data scientists who so are going to say, well, you know, when I say on or off, I mean, you know, statistically, how often is it going to be on and off? And, you know, what's the like, you know, and there's probabilities involved and, and, and maths and all the other stuff. So, you know, I think getting the, the, the kind of triumvirate of data science, product and software engineers working together is the key to producing, you know, a, a great machine learning powered um, product. Um, and the other thing with Success Plus is like, you know, we don't describe this as, you know, artificial intelligence or anything daft like that. You know, it's payment intelligence. You know, it's, it's, I was actually about to go down that route. So it's interesting yeah, that you say that because traditionally the architect, let's say, is the person in the business who, or the person in technology who talks to business and translates from one to the other. You've got Success Plus, and I imagine you're going to companies who don't have huge tech understanding all of the time necessarily within their ranks. And it must be really tempting for the marketing aspect of the business to go, hey, we've got this piece of AI that's going to make everything wonderful. We've been we've been really careful not to do that. I mean, part, partly, I mean, I hate the term, right? I mean, like I... That doesn't have, surprise me. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen that, haven't we? Like, I mean, how many companies say, you know, our, our product uses artificial intelligence? And like when you really dig down into it, it's like maths that my 13-year-old could do, right? It's kind <laughs> of, um, you know, it, and all kinds of stuff, which is pretty unsophisticated, gets labeled as artificial intelligence. 
Um, and, you know, stuff that's been built by all kinds of people who, you know, maybe do or don't understand it gets labeled as artificial intelligence. And I, I you know, I'm pretty sure that we are going to see a massive backlog backlash against well we've bought all this artificial intelligence stuff but it's not very intelligent is it so you know i'm very keen not to position it as artificial intelligence because this is you know this is about rescheduling when a payment happens this is not about you know uh, you know an autonomous driving spacecraft right so so it's really important to to stress that actually the thing that makes the product powerful is a combination of the unique data the combination of the fact that Go Cardless has a really strong pedigree when it comes to recurring payments and understanding how they work and understanding how the banks work, et cetera, et cetera. And then, yes, there is some machine learning in there, but you know, the machine learning aspect of this product is a, you know, is a small part of an overall product. And anyone who, who claims otherwise for their product is uh, in cloud cookie land, I think. Look, it's been fascinating to talk to you. It's it's a it's a really interesting area to kind of get some insight into how organisations are really thinking about data with with the hood up. Um, so I appreciate your time and uh, keep safe. Cool, thank you. Good to talk to you. Right, I love how uh, Jim describes his role: make GoCardless a data driven company, build differentiation into products, give a shit about data. That's a really nice, concise job spec. I know. Well, I didn't realise that so many business didn't care about data. I thought it was such a big thing already. Well, I think his point is, isn't it, that that they kind of, on the surface, they care about data, but there's a massive difference between caring and having the culture. And, mm. you know, when when he talks about the fact that in previous roles, he was in that situation where he had to go knock on doors and make the argument, it's it's something where you do have to take a leap of faith. Yeah. And if you're not prepared to take that leap of faith and the culture's not there in the business, it's all very well saying we want to be data-driven, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think it's from what he says, I mean, it's so much more important than companies are taking credit for. And I didn't realise how involved it was. So obviously, like, we all have, like, a little bit of a high-level um, understanding of it. We don't really get too involved with it. But he's explaining it like it's, it could be, like, the bread and butter of a business. I think it's... I think it's really interesting how he talks about the fact that data data is important to differentiate your products and that if you if you invest and you do it right then it makes you so much more competitive because it's so much harder for your um competitors mm. to basically do what you're doing and you can offer something that's 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 truly unique and you know when you look at uh, the product um like success plus that's a really nice kind of way of describing how data can make a difference. So reducing that risk of, of payment failure, and you can immediately see how there's so much less effort for an organization having to chase um, customers to get paid. And and that can happen in the background, allow you to get on onto stuff that's really adding value to the business. Um, but um, I love the fact that he talks about the fact that, that, uh, that a product, you know, <laughs> Data should be part of that product. It's not. It's not an AI product. And I love how he yeah. how he's how he's totally kind of um, upfront about the fact that he hates that term, and a lot of it is is maths that his thirteen year old could do. Yeah. And that actually, data is just a small part of making that product work. Yeah. Well, the, the saying AI it's like a trendy word, isn't it? It's not yeah. a nitty and gritty of what it really truly is. And I think that's what most people understand it as. AI. I understand what machine learning is just because like we work in tech, but if I didn't know, like, I could 
my boyfriend knows what AI means, but he doesn't know what machine learning is. He'd be like, what? So but if you explained it as that, it's interesting, isn't it? it it's, that is just one tiny part of it. There's so much more to machine learning. It's so intelligent. I, yeah. It blows my mind, actually. That, And I worry if this jobs, will they get cut because of it? I, I don't I don't think that's the reality. If you if you again look at Success Plus, what does Success Plus Plus do? It gives back time to people so that they're not chasing customers and expending effort on mundane admin tasks. That's not taking away someone's job. Yeah. That's just making your organization more efficient. Yeah, and I then like giving it. time to actually create value. So I think if someone is ever concerned about automation and taking away jobs, all right, yes. You can see in the services sector or restaurants, or, or maybe, maybe maybe there might be a case that that it will uh, streamline a business to the point that it can make some um, cuts with regards to people. But I, I really don't think that that's going to be the, the overall trend. I think I think if you look at if you look at tech over the last ten years, it's created more jobs than it's destroyed. Yeah, that's so true. Actually, that's so good. Like people to hear as well because i think that when they hear about this they think oh is is this the future what does this mean for us but actually you're right it opens so much more opportunity more opportunity to learn it's amazing and honestly i love it how he explains tech as sexy Woohoo! you said it a couple times he does (laughs) i love it because it can be it can be so interesting and that people who are into it that is sexy stuff what they're doing is making their organization competitive faster mm. um you know he he describes it as grow faster more profitable more sexy uh and if you are growing faster and you're more profitable then it creates opportunity and makes it an exciting place to work right yeah i agree it's such a good way to explain it because people associate it a bit oh boring and then when you explain it as sexy it's like okay yeah. i like it it's funny because on monday i'm hosting a panel um at the ai and big data expo europe on AI and how it gives a competitive edge. And it's interesting that they've chosen the word AI and, and how does it mm. give a competitive edge and are there real enterprise examples? And I, I, I think a lot of my moderating and conversation around that will be, well, why are we talking about AI? Isn't that right from the off slightly misleading? Because yeah. we should be talking about data and machine learning and pulling a lot of the points that Jim makes in, in this conversation in, into that. Yeah, and no, definitely. It's just what we said before though, isn't it? It's like a bit more of a trendy way of saying it. It catches people's yeah. attention, doesn't it? AI, because they kind of understand what it is, but they don't understand what machine learning it is. Catches people, it, catch, it captures uh, attention where maybe people who don't really understand. Yeah. And, and this is the thing, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's that thing of where Jim's talking about it'll lead to a massive backlash because it's not very intelligent AI. So you've yeah. got to be careful how you position it and describe it. And you could argue that, yeah, for a conference, you want to say, AI, how is it giving the competitive edge? Oh, that's exciting. Let's go see. And, but actually, th- the conversation should be, we're talking about AI, but we're not really talking about AI. And let's be honest, we're talking about machine learning and data. And we're talking not about a success rate of being right all of the time, but as Jim describes again, 50% and improving to 80% of the time. And actually, that's how you make this work. That's how you make it more competitive. Mm. Uh, and we should refrain a little bit from the buzzwords because we are going to see a backlash as a consequence. Yeah, definitely. Let's get to the nitty gritty of it, not just the fluffy stuff. Yeah, it, it, like, exactly. No, I was going to say that's in reality where the most like interesting part of it is. You know, yeah. when people, a lot of people think of AI, they'll be like, oh, what, like robotics? Like, oh, like what he said, like old cars like and stuff like that. But actually, like it can do so much for a business. 
yeah. but it was but that's machine learning and and data like you said I think there's some really good insight there as well for uh, for any organization who's thinking about this it's it's great to hear him say You've got to take a leap of faith because from an ROI point of view, you can't put a number on it until you've collected it, you've stored it. It's very difficult to measure what the impact will be. And the only way to find out is to actually do the stuff properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really good of him as well to talk about the fact that it takes a special kind of product manager um, and you don't really know how good the product's going to be till you, you build it. And there's a lot of moving parts that, that are being built in parallel. So software and product and data scientists. Um and I think I think that cultural piece and understanding actually about how those elements of the business interact with each other when you're putting together a product is really useful for for a lot of organisations to hear. Yeah, I agree. I think it's exciting. Watch this space. Just one last word. He does say, you know, maths that my 13 year old could achieve. I wasn't very good at maths at school. Oh, I was so. awful. Honestly, don't <laughs> even go there. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that. I would imagine his 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 child's 13 year old maths is far better than mine was and far far better than mine is now because i have largely forgotten everything i literally am the worst person at maths i i've taken it like three times and each time it's just awful i can't even tell you what it was <laughs> i mean you know people say like let's not get excited about the hype of ai but machine learning would be like magic to me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so my mirrors right anyway uh that We'll take us into our quick advert break. Jim, thank you for being our guest on today's edition of the show. If you're interested, by the way, you can still sign up for AI and Big Data Expo. So I'll include a link on that because that might be an interesting conversation. It's a, it's going to be a fun panel on Monday morning. So I'll include a link on that in the show notes. Uh, but we'll go into our advert break and then we'll be back with some technology news. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. Instead of one bit of tech news, three quick fire bits of tech news. Start All off right. with a bit of consumer tech. Uh, iPhone 12 mini. It's apparently the king of small phones. Um, I have to say, Hayley, uh, I often slate Apple, say that their phones aren't very good um, for the price that you pay. My wife has an iPhone 11, and the only reason that she has one is because it's purple. That is literally it. <laughs> but, but I've always thought, you know, the cameras aren't as good as they should be. The battery life isn't as good as it should be. But kudos, making a small phone. I think this is a good step because phones have got really quite large and I don't think I have small hands, but if I did have small hands, they'd be a pain in the ass to use. Yeah, I agree. No, to be fair, it's it was all part of, it was part of diversity, wasn't it? Because they're making such big phones. Um, I don't know what were they saying that women have small hands, <laughs> and then they want a smaller phone. But a lot of women I know have got the bigger one. I I struggle to get my finger to the other side, my thumb to the other side yeah. of my phone. Hyperextension. Yeah, it's got to be like some strain going on there, repetitive strain injuries. And the other thing that I often do, if I'm lying down and texting, um, I'll drop it on my face because it's too big. Oh, me so, too. That's painful. That hurts. Small, small phones, I think, are a good thing. 
fit in your small just, bags as well. <laughs> just want to say, yeah, there you go. There you go. Just wanted to say that. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was also interesting for anyone um, from us. We were talking a lot about sustainable energy in the last few weeks when we had a uh, Ripple, the Energy Web Foundation, and Cummins on the show uh, in the news today. Invention that uh, makes renewable energy with rotting veg wins the James Dyson Award. So a novel wow. material made from rotting fruit and vegetables that absorbs stray UV light from the sun and converts it into renewable energy has landed its design of the first sustainability gong in this year's James Dyson Awards. So this is uh, the invention was given to 27-year-old Carvey Ehan Magaya, a student from uh, Mapu University in the Philippines. Pretty cool, wow. right? That is so cool. But it's just, we won't be surprised. All the new new ways of doing it, it's every time it's just more random things but the waste you get in like fruit and veg industries must be huge yeah. so like yeah we should be doing this like it's amazing renewable love it reuse yeah i mean um in a few weeks time we've got uh tessa clark co uh, co-founder of olio who we've had on the podcast before but olio coming back on the podcast uh they're all about sharing um food that would otherwise be wasted but unfortunately vast amounts of food does get wasted despite mm. the likes of uh olio uh, and karma trying their best to make sure that they're reducing food waste but if we can create energy from food waste that's that's amazing as well yeah. to see and hear that it's some, something positive and good for the environment will come from it definitely it's, it, I, I, it is a big worry when i think about it, how much food gets wasted out sometimes when i go into the, even like the supermarket i think i'm in here today how like much of this must go to waste it's just absolute masses of it yeah but, and then it's when I only when I actually go into a shopping like like supermarket I actually really think about that. And then there's not just I mean just one and they're they're everywhere and I just think oh my god it must be ridiculous. So the fact that that's actually amazing I'm actually well happy about that. There you go. There's a bit of good news. And lastly, uh, Geocom, who were uh, a guest on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, this is a bit of industry news. They have been acquired uh, by Digital Wholesale Solutions. Let me just tell you why I think this is interesting. I'll bring it up. So uh, Geocom, um, we had their chief marketing officer on the show uh, during the summer. They're a channel-only cloud services provider. They have been acquired by digital the, the digital channel only IT communications cloud business platform, Digital Wholesale Solutions. Um, also a high growth channel only software platform uh, with around two and a half thousand UK customers. And it just shows the strength, you know, as we're looking ahead to 2021, you know, remote working, cloud-based collaboration, the, accelerant, the acceleration and convergence of unified communications and IT. Um, is is only set to to pick up pace, right? Even if we've got a couple of vaccines in the pipeline, and fingers crossed, they do allow us to go back to shops, to pubs, to restaurants, to football matches, to the theatre, whatever it might be. I can't see businesses flooding back to office based environments. And DWS acquiring Geocom, recognizing the growth in that market and the potential, would suggest that the organisations are, are, are making a play for market share as this style of working at least is cemented regardless of what happens with vaccines etc mm. are you are you happy about the idea of this being the new way of working um yeah i am a bit i, I think it would be nice to be able to go to the office but i yeah. do really enjoy not traveling on public transport but then what's so i think the, the transport industry 
Well, well, that's true. Uh, well, maybe it'll run on time. Uh, it won't yeah, be overcrowded. True. Hopefully prices don't go through the roof. Here's the interesting thing, though. I, I agree with you, right? I want to see colleagues. I want to go into the office. Mm. How much of the time do you want to spend in the office? And I think that's the interesting thing where you kind of see people kind of commenting on this online. What's the balance? Is it two days from home, three days in the office? Is it four days at home, one day in the office a week? How much time? Like we are social animals, but to be perfectly frank, I'd be happy with a day a week catching up and being in the office Yeah, and the rest of the time being at home. One to two days in the office and the rest at home is a lovely balance because you want the majority. I don't know about you. It's just such a, like a relief when you're at home and you finish work. Oh God, I've got no, I've got to do an hour and a half home. I can just put that load of washing on if I really want to do it. I can start the dinner at lunchtime and leave it on if you're making something fancy. Like just even like those really small things. I can spend a bit more time with my partner. Oh, let's go and sit down and watch a bit of TV after work or in the morning should we go for a walk we can go for a walk and we can come back to start work do you know what i mean it's just so much more yeah. freedom um there and but it is also like i really do miss the interaction at work and things like that and, and speaking to people so it's balance isn't it and I, I do think that one to two days in the office would be nice maybe we should run a quick poll no one ever completes the polls that i put out on twitter <laughs> <laughs> should run a quick poll and see what see what kind of the uh the general consensus is right yeah. uh Hayley, I'll let you get back to watching uh, Christmas cookery programs. No, Sorry, I'm working. working. <laughs> hey, look, it's better than a quiche. When we had a quiche on the show earlier, he had um, he admitted that he'd basically got his um, PS4 right next to his uh, laptop. So. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I was actually going to say, actually, add, I've got a bit of tech news. It's not really tech. Go on. But you remember we were talking about um, electric vehicles and stuff the other day. Do you see that in the UK, it's banned from 2030. They won't be making any more petrol or diesel cars. There you go. Good news. Amazing, Good news. isn't it? That's but... so far. That's fast. Like, it's not far. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> just now got to make sure that the, the energy that is is made is green rather than brown. Yeah, exactly. So I reckon we're going to see so many different alternatives um, in the next sort of, you know, five years. And like you say, maybe we'll have a little battery pack we can take indoors if you live in a flat or, oh, it's interesting. It is. It is. Right. Well, look, enjoy your weekend. I'm sure you've got nothing planned. You're not allowed to. (sighs) No, I have nothing planned. (laughs) And we will talk to you (laughs) next week. Bye. Give you the